small differences can sometimes have a huge positive impact on your sleep quality. And that's why I'd like to thank Moonbow for helping me sleep better each night. Their memory foam pillow is designed to eliminate your neck and back pain for good. And it starts with the five removable layers of super plush supportive memory foams, allowing you to find the right height to optimize your comfort and rest. I've had the pleasure of sleeping on this pillow for a few weeks now, and the difference is simply fantastic. I'm beyond comfortable as I sleep, and I wake up with zero neck pain, something that I've grown accustomed to and frankly thought was just part of getting older. Shop a variety of quality sleep products created to help combat distractions and discomfort that steal your much-needed shut-eye by visiting moonbowsleep.com and using code ASMRPODCAST for 15% off your entire order. That's M-O-O-N-B-O-W-S-L-E-E-P dot com to shop for the sleep of your dreams and use code ASMRPODCAST at checkout for 15% off your order. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Sleep and Relax ASMR. This episode we continue the popular ASM article series. And for those of you unfamiliar, ASM Articles is just a series where we learn about a person, place, event, or thing by reading their wiki page. Now for some of you, this is very informative and a nice little learning experience. And for others, it is so boring that it puts you right to sleep. So as far as I'm concerned, it is a win-win. So without any further ado, let's jump into this episode of Sleep and Relax ASMR. Fred McFeely Rogers was an American television personality, musician, puppeteer, writer, producer, and Presbyterian minister. He was known as the creator, composer, producer, head writer, showrunner, and host of the preschool television series Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. The program was marked by its slow pace and its host calm manner. Born in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, near Pittsburgh, Rogers earned a bachelor's degree in music from Rollins College in 1951. He then began working in television, initially at NBC in New York. He returned to Pittsburgh in 1953 to work for children's programming at NET, later PBS, television station at WQED. Rogers graduated from Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, was ordained as a pet Presbyterian minister in 1963 and attended the University of Pittsburgh Graduate School of Child Development, where he began his 30-year-long collaboration with child psychologist Margaret McFarland. He worked off-camera helping produce the children's show, The Children's Hour, and then in 1963 worked on the 15-minute black-and-white Canadian children's show, Mr. Rogers, where he developed many of the characters, props, and sets he used later. In 1968, he returned to Pittsburgh to produce Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which ran for almost 900 episodes until 2001. The program emphasized the child's developing psyche, feelings, sense of morale and ethical reasoning, civility, tolerance, sharing, and self-worth. Difficult topics, such as the death of a family pet, sibling rivalry, the addition of a newborn into families, Moving and enrolling in a new school and divorce were also addressed. 
Rogers died on February 27, 2003 of stomach cancer. His work in children's television has been widely lauded, and he received over 40 honorary degrees and several awards, including the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2002 and a Lifetime Achievement Emmy in 1997. He was inducted into the Television Hall of Fame in 1999. Rogers influenced many writers and producers of children's television shows and served as a source of comfort during tragic events, even after his death. Early Life Rogers was born on March 20, 1928, in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, about 40 miles outside of Pittsburgh, at 705 Main Street, to James and Nancy Rogers. James was a very successful businessman who was president of the McFeely Brick Company, one of Latrobe's largest businesses. Nancy's father, Fred Brooks, Fred Brooks McFeely, after whom Rogers was named, was an entrepreneur. Nancy knitted sweaters for American soldiers from western Pennsylvania who were fighting in Europe and regularly volunteered at the Latrobe Hospital. Initially dreaming of becoming a doctor, she settled for a life of hospital volunteer work. Rogers grew up in a three-story brick mansion at 737 Walden Street in Latrobe. He had a sister, Elaine, who was adopted by the Rogers when he was 11 years old. Rogers spent much of his childhood alone, playing with puppets, and also spent time with his grandfather. He began to play the piano when he was five years old. Rogers had a difficult childhood. He was shy, introverted, and overweight, and was frequently homebound after suffering bouts of asthma. He was bullied and taunted as a child for his weight and called Fat Freddy. According to Morgan Neville, director of the 2018 documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, Rogers had a lonely childhood. I think he made friends with himself as much as he could. He had a ventriloquist dummy, he had stuffed animals, and he would create his own world in his childhood bedroom. Rogers attended Latrobe High School, where he overcame his shyness. Quote, It was tough for me at the beginning, Rogers told NPR Terry Gross in 1984. And then I made a couple of friends who found out that the core of me was okay, and one of them was the head of the football team. End quote. Rogers served as president of the student council, was a member of the National Honor Society, and was editor-in-chief of the school yearbook. He attended Dartmouth College for one year before transferring to Rollins College in Winter Park, Florida. He graduated magna cum laude in 1951 with a degree in music composition. Rogers graduated from Pittsburgh Theological Seminary and was ordained as a minister of the, Univer- of the United Presbyterian Church in 1963. Television career. Early work. Rogers wanted to enter seminary after college, but instead chose to go into television after encountering a TV at his parents' home in 1951. In a CNN interview, he said, quote, I went into television because I hated it so, and I thought there's some way of using this fabulous instrument to nurture those who would watch and listen, end quote. After graduating in 1951, he worked at NBC in New York City as floor director of Your Hit Parade, The Kate Smith Hour, and Gabby Hayes' children's show, and as an assistant producer of The Voice of Firestone. In 1953, Rogers returned to Pittsburgh to work as a program developer at public television station WQED. Josie Carey worked with him to develop the children's show, 
the Children's Corner, which Carrie hosted. Rogers worked off-camera to develop puppets, characters, and music for the show. He used many of the puppet characters developed during this time, such as Daniel the Striped Tiger, named for WQED's station manager, Dorothy Daniel, who gave Roger a tiger puppet before the show's premiere. King Friday the 13th, Queen Sarah Saturday, named for Roger's wife, X the Owl, Henrietta and Lady Elaine, in his later work. Children's television entertainer Ernie Coombs was an assistant puppeteer. The Children's Hour won a Sylvania Award for Best Locally Produced Children's Programming in 1955 and was broadcast nationally on NBC. While working on the Children's Hour, Rogers attended Pittsburgh Theological Seminary and was ordained as a Presbyterian minister in 1963. He also attended the University of Pittsburgh Graduate School of Child Development, where he began working with child psychologist Margaret McFarland, who, according to Rogers, uh, who, according to Rogers' biographer Maxwell King, became his quote key advisor and collaborator, and child education guru. End quote. Much of Rogers' thinking about an appreciation for children was shaped and informed by McFarland. She was his consultant for most of Mister Rogers' neighborhood scripts and songs for thirty years. In 1963, CBC in Toronto contacted, or contracted rather, Rogers to develop and host the 15-minute black-and-white children's program, Mr. Rogers. It lasted from 1963 to 1967. It was the first time Rogers appeared on camera. CBC's children programming head, Fred Rainsbury, insisted on it, telling Rogers, quote, Fred, I've seen you talk with kids. Let's put yourself on the air, end quote. Coombs joined Rogers in Toronto as an assistant puppeteer. Rogers also worked with Coombs on the children's show Butternut Square from 1964 to 67. He acquired the rights to Mr. Rogers in 1967 and returned to Pittsburgh with his wife, his two young sons, and the sets he developed at the CBC, despite his potentially promising career with the CBC and no job prospects in Pittsburgh. Now we move on to Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, also called The Neighborhood, a half-hour educational children's program starring Rogers, began airing nationally in 1968 and ran for 895 episodes. The program was filmed at WQED in Pittsburgh and was picked up and aired nationally by National Education Television, NET which later became the Public Broadcasting Service, PBS. Its first season had 180 black-and-white episodes. Each subsequent season, filmed in color and funded by PBS, uh, the Sears Roebuck Foundation, and other charities, consisted of 65 episodes. By the time the program ended production in December 2000, its average rating was about 0.7 of television households, or 680,000 homes and it aired on 384 PBS stations. At its peak in 1985 to 86, its ratings were at 2.1% or 1.8 million homes. Production of The Neighborhood ended in December 2000, and the last original episode aired in 2001. But PBS continued to air reruns. By 2016, it was the third longest-running program in PBS history. 
Many of the sets and props in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, like its trolley, the sneakers, and the castle, were created for Rogers' show in Toronto by CBC designers and producers. The program also incorporated most of the highly imaginative elements that later became famous on the program, such as its slow pace and its host's quiet manner. The format of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood remained virtually unchanged for the entire run of the program. Every episode begins with a camera's eye view of a model of a neighborhood, then sweeping in closer to a representation of a house as an instrumental piano version of the theme song, Won't You Be My Neighbor, by music director Johnny Costa, and inspired by a Beethoven sonata, is played. The camera zooms to a model representing Mr. Rogers' house, then cuts to the house's interior panning across the room to the front door, which Rogers opens as he sings the theme song to welcome his visitors while changing his suit jacket to a zippered cardigan knitted by his mother, and his dress shoes to sneakers, complete with a shoe tossed from one hand to another. The episode's theme is introduced, and Mr. Rogers leaves his home to visit another location, the camera panning back to the neighborhood model and zooming to the new location as he enters it. When the visit to the new location ends, Mr. Rogers leaves and returns to his home, indicating that it is time to visit the neighborhood of make-believe. Mr. Rogers heads over to the window seat by the trolley track and sets up the action there as the trolley comes out. The camera follows it down a tunnel in the black wall of the house as it enters the neighborhood of make-believe. The stories and lessons told there take place over a series of a week's worth of episodes, and involve puppet and human characters. The end of the visit occurs when the trolley returns to the same tunnel from which it emerged, reappearing in Mr. Rogers' home. He then talks to the viewers before wrapping up the episode. He often feeds the fish, cleans up any props he has used, and returns to the front room, where he sings a closing song while changing back into his dress shoes and jacket. He exits the front door as he ends the song, and the camera zooms out of his home and pans across the neighborhood model as the episode ends. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood emphasized young children's social and emotional needs, and unlike other PBS show, and unlike another PBS show, Sesame Street, which premiered in 1969, did not focus on cognitive learning. Writer Kathy Murlock Jackson said, quote, While both shows target the same preschool audience and prepare children for kindergarten, Sesame Street concentrates on school readiness skills, while Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood focuses on the child's developing psyche and feelings and sense of morale and ethical reasoning, end quote. The neighborhood also spent fewer resources on research than Sesame Street, but Rogers used early childhood education concepts taught by his mentor Margaret McFarland, Benjamin Spock, Eric Erickson, and T. Barry Basildon in his lessons. As the Washington Post noted, Rogers taught young children about civility, tolerance, sharing, and self-worth in a reassuring tone and leisurely cadence. He tackled difficult topics such as the death of a family pet, sibling rivalry, the addition of a newborn into a family, moving and enrolling in a new school, and divorce. For example, he wrote a special segment that dealt with the assassination of, of Robert F. Kennedy that aired on June 7, 1968, days after it occurred. According to King, the process of putting each episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood together was painstaking, and Rogers' contribu contribution to the program was astounding. Rogers wrote and edited all the episodes, played the piano and sang for most of the songs, 
wrote 200 songs and 13 operas, created all the characters, both puppet and human, played most of the major puppet roles, hosted every episode, and produced and proved every detail of the program. The puppets created for the neighborhood of make-believe included an extraordinary variety of personalities. They were simple puppets, but complex, complicated, and utterly honest beings. In 1975, Rogers stopped producing Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood to focus on adult programming. Reruns of The Neighborhood continued to air on PBS. King reports that the decision caught many of his co-workers and supporters off guard. Rogers continued to confer with McFarlane about child development and early childhood education, however. In 1979, after an almost five-year hiatus, Rogers returned to producing The Neighborhood, King calls a new version stronger and more sophisticated than ever. Rogers retired from producing The Neighborhood in 2001 at the age of 73, although reruns continue to air. He and FCI have been making about two or three weeks of new programs per year for many years. Uh, okay. Other television work. In 1978, while on hiatus from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Rogers wrote, produced, and hosted a 30-minute interview program for adults on PBS called Old Friends, New Friends. It lasted 20 episodes. Rogers' guests included Hoagie Carmichael, Helen Hayes, Milton Burley, Lauren Hollander, poet Robert Frost's daughter Leslie, and Willie Stargell. Rogers appeared as a first guest on the long-running Soviet children's TV show Good Night, Little Ones on December 7, 1988, which coincided with Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev's summit with American President Ronald Reagan in Washington, D.C. In 1994, Rogers wrote, produced, and hosted a special PBS, a, yeah, a special for PBS called Fred Rogers Heroes, which featured interviews and portraits of four people from across the country who were having a positive impact on children and education. The only time Rogers appeared on television as someone other than himself was in 1996 when he played a preacher on one episode of Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. Personal Life Rogers met Sarah Joan Bird, called Joanne. Sarah Joanne, yeah. Sarah Joanne Bird, from Jacksonville, Florida, while attending Rollins College. They were married in 1952 and were married for 50 years until his death in 2003. They had two sons, James and John. Joanne was an accomplished pianist who, like Fred, earned a bachelor's from Rollins and went on to earn a master's degree in music from Florida State University. She performed publicly with her college classmate, Janine Morrison, from 1976 to 2008. According to biographer Maxwell King, Rogers' close associates said he was absolutely faithful to his marriage vows. Rogers was a red-green colorblind, was red-green colorblind. He became a vegetarian in the 1970s, saying that he couldn't eat anything that had a mother. He became co-owner of Vegetarian Times in the mid-1980s and said in one issue, I love tofu burgers and beets. He also told Vegetarian Times that he became a vegetarian for both ethical and health reasons. According to King, Rogers also signed his name to a statement protesting wearing animal furs.
Roger studied Catholic mysticism, Judaism, Buddhism, and other faiths and cultures. Ken called him, quote, that unique television star with a real spiritual life, end quote, emphasizing the values of patience, reflection, and silence in a noisy world. King reported that despite Roger's family's wealth, he cared little about making money and lived frugally, especially as he and his wife grew older. King reported that Roger's relationship with his young audience was important to him. For example, since hosting Mr. Rogers in Canada, he answered every letter sent to him by hand. After Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood began airing in the U.S., the letters increased in volume and he hired staff members and producer Hedda Sharpin to answer them, but he read, edited, and signed each one. King wrote that Rogers saw responding to his viewer letters as, quote, a pastoral duty of sorts, end quote. The New York Times called Rogers a dedicated lap swimmer, and Tom Junot, author of Can You Say Hero?, the 1998 Esquire profile, Rogers said, quote, nearly every morning of his life, Mr. Rogers has gone swimming, end quote. Rogers began swimming when he was a child at his family's vacation home outside Latrobe, where they owned a pool, and during, his, during their winter trips to Florida. King wrote that swimming and playing the piano were lifelong passions that both gave him a chance to feel capable and in charge of his destiny. Death and Memorials after Rogers' retirement in 2001, he remained busy working with FCI, studying religion and spirituality, making public appearances, traveling and working on a children's media center named after him in St. Vincent College in Latrobe with Archibald Douglas Nowicki, Chancellor of the College. By the summer of 2002, his chronic stomach pain had become severe enough for him to see a doctor about it. In October 2002, he was diagnosed with stomach cancer. He put off treatment until he served as Grand Marshal of the 2003 Rose Parade with Art Lineker and Bill Cosby in January. On January 6, Rogers underwent stomach surgery. He died less than two months later on February 27, 2003. The following day, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette covered Rogers' death on the front page and dedicated an entire section of his death to his death and impact. The newspaper also reported that by noon, the internet was already full of appreciative pieces by parents, viewers, producers, and writers. Rogers' death was widely covered. Most U.S. metropolitan newspapers ran his obituary on their front page, and some dedicated entire sections to coverage of his death. On March 1, 2003, a private funeral was held for Rogers in Unity Chapel, which was restored by Rogers' father at Unity Cemetery in Latrobe. About 80 relatives, co-workers, and close friends attended the service, which was planned in great secrecy, so that the clo those closest to him could grieve in private. Reverend John McCall, pastor of the Rogers Family's Church, Sixth Presbyterian Church in Latrobe, gave the homily, and Reverend William Barker, a retired Presbyterian minister who was a close friend of Mr. Rogers, and the voice of Mr. Platypus on the show, read Rogers' favorite Bible passages. Legacy. Mark Brown, creator of another PBS children's show, Arthur, uh, considered Rogers both a friend and a terrific role model for how to use television and the media to be helpful to kids and families. 
John Selleck, creator of Wonder Pets, credits Rogers with influencing his use of structure and predictability and his use of music, opera, and originality. Rogers inspired Angela Santomero, co-creator of the children's television show Blue's Clues, to earn a degree in development psychology and go into educational, educational television. She and other producers of Blue's Clues use many of Rogers' techniques, such as using child developmental and educational research and having the host speak directly to camera and transition to a make-believe world. In 2018, Won't You Be My Neighbor, director of Morgan Neville's a documentary about Roger's life grossed over $22 million and became a top-grossing biographical documentary ever produced. It was the highest-grossing documentary in five years and became the 12th largest-grossing documentary ever produced. According to Caitlin Gibson of the Washington Post, Rogers became a source for parenting advice, calling him a timeless oracle against a backdrop of ever-shifting parenting philosophies and cultural trends. And there you have it. There is a bit left in the uh, wiki page because, of course, Mr. Rogers' impact was massive. And, um, you know, there's some awards and honors and things, but I am running low on time here. So, in any case, that was Mr. Rogers. Hope you enjoyed that. If you grew up watching Mr. Rogers, let me know. I'd be interested in knowing. He was a little bit before my time. Um... So I don't quite remember watching the uh, program, but I do plan on catching some on YouTube or wherever I can catch them just to get a better feel for the show. If you have any questions, comments, you can always reach the show by emailing hello at sleep and relax ASMR. That's all for this episode. Thanks as always for listening and take care. <laughs>